If you would, we're still in the book of Acts. We're still in the book of Acts. We're in Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, verses 19 through 31. And it reads, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. <clears throat> At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. As many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lured him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Not believing that he really was a disciple, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in number. Lord, please bring a word right now. Bring a word for your dear people that's on time that takes us all to another level in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to speak to you from the subject, on your mark, get set, go. On your mark, get set, go. <clears throat> People often wonder what God will say on the other side of eternity. Will he be loving? Will he be understanding? Will he think, what will he think of my life? When I get to heaven, I want to hear God say, well done, you overachiever. <laughs> Living for life, uh, for the gospel, living your life for the gospel is worth it. Going to new places to share the good news of Jesus is something you'll never regret because the greatest miracle God performs is a changed life. When you're transformed, you, you can't help but catch the vision to go. When you commit your life to Christ, you commit to, life, to a lifelong adventure to go where you've never been before. After Saul's dramatic encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus in Acts 9, 1, 9 through 9, 1 through 19, he was transformed. Saul, the persecutor, became Saul, the proclaimer. He caught the vision to go and proclaim the good news that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm just flogging on my nerves. We see a great picture of Saul's zeal to go in Acts 9. One, the urgency of gold. Let's talk about this. In this passage, we see Saul consumed with one goal, to make Jesus known. It turns out he was too hot to handle for those established 
in their faith. He was rejected and redirected to a safe distance. Yet God never promises safety in living out the gospel. Potential, yes. Purpose, yes. Power, yes. Safety, no. It's funny. Now that I be doing more and more things in the community, people be calling me, hey, man, you need security. I heard them on the radio. Hey, man, you need security. I seen them writing on Facebook talking about they're going to kill you. You don't want to meet me in the streets, though. But I'm just saying. But at the end of the day, God never promised your safety. When you commit your life to Christ, you commit to a lifelong adventure to go where you've never been before. But this adventure comes with a price. We have seen the price take place in Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina, and other places of worship because they represent the hope and liberty Christ brings to an oppressed people. The disciples were skeptical of Saul. The Jews were lethal. The city was dangerous. Yet nothing could stop Saul from powerfully, fearfully, and boldly proclaiming Jesus. This is how we must be as Christian people, black and white and all in between. We have got to stand up for what is right. We cannot cower down in the face of a racist systems that offer little to no justice to oppressed minorities. As Saul moved from uh, persecutor to proclaimer, he grew in his commitment to the urgency of the go, and we must go and do also. Repeatedly throughout Scripture, we're told to go. In fact, the word go shows up more than 1,400 times. We can never mistake the Bible as encouraging inactivity. It decisively reveals the urgency of God's call to go. Look at these examples. Look at Abram before he became Abraham. In Genesis 12:1, the Lord said, has said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. Well, where am I supposed to go, God? Just go. He never told Abram where to go. He just said, start walking. See, you know what the problem with people are sometimes? You want to know exactly what God is saying. That's why some people can't deal with me. They be like, well, why are you doing this? Because God said so. But why? Don't worry about it. Either follow me or leave me alone. So I ask me all the daggone questions because I ain't asking God all these questions because God ain't going to answer me no way. So leave me alone. He told Abram to go to a land I will show you. He didn't even know where he was going. Why do you always have to have all the details before you take the first step when God has already told you that my ways are not your ways, that his thoughts are not your thoughts? Come on, somebody. The Bible always say, lean out of your own understanding. You even got songs that say that the Lord may not come when you want him, but he always right on time. He comes when you start stepping and walking. He, you step first. I told you before in another sermon, God is tired of Moses' faith. Moses, People had faith. He raised the staff and the Red Sea was, it was split and then they started walking. But with Joshua, they had to step in the water and as they stepped, the water moved. God will move your obstacles as you walk. That's why it's hard for, for people to, to stomach me with this campaign and stomach me sometimes because I don't go by worldly systems. I don't go by worldly ways. I got to hear what God tells me, and then I move. Y'all missing it. People say, how in the world you go from certain things, you can buy houses with cash because I move when God say move. 
I started ignoring people. I said, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. People are like, oh, Lord, you're going to try to do this? Don't worry about it. Just do what I say. I ain't got time for people's opinions. I ain't got time for my own. Because God is the author and finisher of your faith. Now, we say that all the time. Why we keep trying to write the story? I'm going to leave that alone. Moses, he says, so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Exodus 3.10, Moses was not the cream of the crop. He was an outsider with a complicated past. He was not eloquent and had trouble controlling his anger, yet God chose him to deliver the Israelites from Egypt. And because God equips those he calls, Moses couldn't fail if he obeyed God. Right? Moses was an unlikely person to follow the call to go. So Saul, so was Saul, and so are you. It says in 1 Corinthians 1:27, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. So look, God is not looking for the smartest person. He's looking for somebody that's going to be smart enough to know they're stupid. Yeah, y'all missing it. We talked about this in the revival. We call sheep dumb. We count sheep when we sleepy because we know when one sheep jump up the mountain, the other sheep that dumb will see the other sheep in front of it plummeting to its death and the rest of them will keep jumping. But the thing about it is sheep sometimes smarter than us because sheep do exactly what the shepherd tells them to do. Oh, y'all don't hear me. The sheep eat every day. The sheep sleep every day. The sheep get protected by the wolf. Why? Because the sheep do exactly what the shepherd tells them to do. The problem with us is we think we're smarter than God. I can't do this. I ain't equipped to do this because you're not supposed to do it anyway. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, and he orders your steps in his word. Oh, you don't read your word. You forget to read your manual. That's what it is. You... You read the book to put your little baby bike together. You read the little manual to put your little, uh, uh, little cabinet together, but, but you don't read the book that'll show you how to put your life together. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the problem. How is going to order your steps in the Word if you don't have your Word? Oh, the Holy Spirit said he'll bring to my remembrance. Well, how in the world can he make you remember something you ain't read? <laughs> I remember. You don't remember nothing. You ain't read nothing. Deborah and, and Barak. Look, in, in Judges 4.14, then Deborah said to Barak, go, this is the day the Lord has given Caesarea into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? Sometimes God uses someone else to give us the message to go. Sometimes you got to encourage somebody else to go. Sometimes somebody else will push you out to go because you have to hang around some people that are, are, that are, that are more motivated than you sometimes. You got to hang around people. You, it says iron sharpens iron. You can't just sharpen iron in the air like this. We're going to give you one of them jackets that make you hug yourself because you're crazy. I'm just sharpening a knife. No, you got to have another piece of iron sharpening it, Right? You got to have another piece of iron. You can't bring wood. You can't bring no other dull object. You got to bring somebody sharp like you. You got to bring somebody anointed like you. Oh, y'all don't hear me. See, some of us want to hang around folk that make us feel smart. We want to hang around people we know ain't got no sense. Because we want to look like the smartest person in the room. And you don't want to hang around people that have power because you feel like they're going to outshine you. Who cares? 
I just want to be the best person I can be. And if I can hang around somebody who outshine me, come on, baby, I need to hang around you because I need to get better. In fact, what better person to pull you somewhere than somebody who has more and more anointing than you? You got to find somebody who with you. Look at, look at uh, f- uh, 1 Samuel 14, 6 and 7. It says, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let us go over to the outpost of the, those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I'm with you, heart and soul. Jonathan was about to go fight folk, and it was a whole, they were outnumbered. And the thing about Jonathan is he was at the bottom of the mountain, climbed all the way up to the top to go fight 30-some folk with two people. With just him and his armor bearer. You, why? Sometimes you got to hang around some local people. Because I'm talking about people with local faith. Because they'll begin to cause you to conquer some things you thought you couldn't conquer. Because you know what? You couldn't conquer it in your own strength anyway. God said he would do exceedingly, abundantly, above whatever you can ask think or even imagine according to the power that works in you. The problem is you keep trying to do stuff that you know you can do on your own anyway. That's too small. He said, I will cause you to do more than you can even imagine. If you can imagine something that's so far-fetched, God will still help you accomplish it if you take the first step and allow him to order your step in his word because you keep forgetting faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. So if you have faith, it's the evidence, and faith makes it substance. Even though you can't grab it with your natural hand, if you have faith, it makes it real. And if you got enough faith to walk it out, God will bring it to fruition. I don't care if your credit jacked up. If you want to start a business and God gave you the faith to do it, if you start it, money will come out of nowhere because he'll open up the windows of heaven and by the blessing you won't have room to receive because you are tither. God is obligated to take care of you. He's obligated to lead you and make you lay down in green pastures. If you're too dumb to sit down yourself, God will put you in a hospital room and make you lay down so you can hear what he's trying to get to you. God will make you lay down and give you COVID every now and then so you can sit still and fellowship with him. God said, I'll make you lay down. In green passage, uncharted territory of unsurmountable blessings. <laughs> you got to have faith. You can do stuff nobody can do. You can do stuff you can't do. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Ananias, look at Acts 9, 11. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. And that's for a man from Tarsus named Saul. And Ananias Talking to God like, I know who he is. You really want me to go over there? You sure, God? Yeah. It says in Acts 9, 15 through 16, it says, even though Ananias kept saying, God, are you sure you want me to go? It says, but the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. 
God wanted Ananias to see the urgency of the go, even when it was dangerous and scary. And Ananias did go, causing the greatest missionary in history to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't be scared. God is going to cause you to tread on serpents. You already walk through the valley of shadow of death. You just don't know what God has protected you from. If you knew all the unseen things God protected you from, you wouldn't worry about stepping out and doing something bold for him, even though it was dangerous, because the enemy had been looking for you your whole life. The enemy had been trying to kill you since the day before you was born. Yo, oh, you better hear me right now. If you knew the things that God delivered you from that you didn't even pray for, that you didn't even know that was coming, yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Every day death is looming and chasing you because the devil want to sift you out like we, but your God has his hands around you. If you just think on the goodness of God and understand how many times he saved you and you didn't even know it, how many times did you not go to work on time or went a different way and you heard about a pile up and people died and that's the route you took. It was God giving you grace and mercy. Something told me the Holy Spirit urged you, you silly Christian, because God is inside of you and he will protect you and order your steps in his word and begin to lead you. <laughs> He'll lead you beside the still waters. Oh, come on, somebody. Sheep can't drink unless the water's still because they fur too thick and their legs too small. And if they drink on a stream that's moving, they'll drown. Also, still waters, a lot of times, is stagnant water of water that doesn't live, that nothing can live in, which means God will lead you beside your enemies and you don't even know it. You tiptoeing to your cubicle, not even knowing that girl over there trying to kill you. You tiptoeing to your office, not knowing there's a backstabbing liar right beside you, but God has made a way out of no way and protected you from the things you didn't even know was coming at you. How dare you be scared to serve God because he protects you every day of your life. You better watch out. God, hallelujah. God continue to send people to encourage them to go. And he believe, and we believe he equips those he calls. Saul was redirected to Tarsus. God told him where to go. We don't know whether he chose to go or was forced to go. It would have been easy for Saul to feel like quitting. It would have been easy for him to think that he had misheard God's call to go. Yet Saul gave God the benefit of the doubt. Even though conditions were not perfect, the goal was still urgent. Somebody sent me a message, all the threats and stuff you be getting, would you have not answered the call if you knew this? I said, I think I was like Saul anyway. I was always in some type of trouble. I guess it didn't really seem that much different to me, but at least I'm getting attacked for doing something right. Come on, somebody. It, it, I don't care what you say. I, maybe y'all some real Christians that have been Christians since the day you was born and came out holy with a white sheet sewn and, 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 you know, with a scepter in your hand. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you was already born with robes with the 12 rubies representing the 12 tribes of Judah. I, 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 you, you may have already just been holy and you just was birthed out of your mama's womb like, whoo, 
I don't know. But I know I had some rough patterns in my life, and I did some things I wasn't supposed to do, and I still do some things I shouldn't do. But God has graced me, and I'd rather get attacked for doing what God told me to do and say I'm worthy of the suffering of God because God said, if you don't suffer with me, you won't reign with me. I, I'm going to make some haters mad because they say all I do is talk about money, but I don't talk about money that much. But I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. The reason why I never be broken is because I tithe and I take care of God, and I don't care if I get persecuted. I'm going to still do what God calls me to do, and God going to bless me because I do it. Y'all better watch out. He going to give me a good measure blessing. Press down, shake it together, and run it over. And if you mad at me because you broke, start reading the same word I do. Stop attacking me and learn it and know that God came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. He didn't come in for you to be broke, busted, and disgusted. He came here to make you a blessing because if he make you a blessing, he can save the world. He don't just want to bless you. He want to give you an overflowing blessing. He want to give you an overflow because he knows he can trust you with the substance because he knows you will use it how he wants you to use it. But until you know that you are steward and you don't own nothing. See, they missed that part. I know my money ain't not, ain't, it's not my money. That's why I know when God say, I can't have this house, I can't have it. That's why I know why when God say, give somebody a discount, I got to give them a discount because I got to do what God tells me to do. <laughs> you got to be a good steward because it's not yours. And when you start doing what God tells you to do, he's going to bless you. He's going to bless you when you do what he tells you to do because he wants you because you are valuable to him because he knows if, you, if he can trust you, he can give you substance because then he can help other people that he wants to be helped through you. Boy, you better learn how to go somewhere what God called you to do. Ooh. Following the goal is, is about more than just geography. Following, followers of Christ are called to go in every sense of the word. We go out of our way to love our neighbor. We go to new levels in our faith. In some seasons of life, your primary calling is to go into your own household to be the light of God there. Y'all do know some of y'all family members crazy. Shh. Don't tell nobody. But it's at least one of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> see, so we see the earnestly of gold. And if you've been following Jesus for a while, you probably understood the call to go. But for so many of us, we just miss our go moments. Today, God is calling you to go, and I pray that you will be willing to follow the call. See, it says, it says, many are called, but few are chosen. The few that's chosen are just the ones that got up and, and went. If you don't go, you ain't chosen. He calling all of us, but will you go? Will you go? <laughs> he called me from Atlanta. I ain't want to leave. Gladys told me don't go nowhere. She told me because her restaurant was right down the street from my house. Gladys night, chicken and waffles. All I had to do was drive a mile. She said, don't go nowhere. You're going to be singing this song. And you're going to want to come back to George. And the train ride too long. You're going <laughs> to... But, but I went, you understand? Because he called me. I went even though I was going to take a pay cut. I went even though I was leaving my business and a lot of money at home. 
You understand what I'm saying? I went even though people, everybody told me not to go because they saw the bylaws. Y'all snitching on all y'all. I had to show people. A year probation, you're going to be back anyway. <laughs> you might as well just stay here. <laughs> but when you go, God will bless you. He gave me my real estate back. Y'all better watch out. Oh, yeah, I'm, 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 I don't even want to talk about that. I'm just happy. You got to go where God is calling you. You're going to come get some roadblocks. People are going to try to threaten you. People are going to come for you. But at the end of the day, you will never regret doing what God has called you to do because you already understand that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And you will never be taken out of this world before it's time for you to go. Why? Because God is, has made you fearfully and wonderfully, and he loves you and he will protect you. And it doesn't matter how many times the devil throws stone at you, it won't break you down because God has given you strength, Right? He'll give you strength to mount up like an eagle. He'll give you strength. <laughs> Man, the minute Saul started listening to God, they were trying to kill him. And that's that some of this stuff happening in y'all life too. Number two, roadblocks ago. Look at the first one. Living for Christ among the shadows of your past. Ooh-wee! Saul was the up-and-coming Pharisee, right? His greatest accolade was supervising the killing of Stephen, right? As, as we said before, he'd gone to Damascus on a mission to imprison and persecute the Christians. Look at Acts 9, 21. And those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who called on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? See, when we respond to God's goal, we get a fresh start with Jesus. But people aren't quick to forget what you did in the past. Oh, ain't that that same person that was doing that over there? And now he over here talking about he preaching? Uh-huh. When that so-and-so over there, she used to mess with so-and-so. And now she talking about she an evangelist. What they talking about? Uh-huh. I knew her back when. And see, they did Jesus like that. Is that not the carpenter's son? They tried to find dirt on Jesus. So, of course, they're going to try to find dirt on you. But it does not matter. Saul didn't care how much they talked about him. He put a P in the front of his name and said, my name Paul. I done changed my life. I'm doing it. That's why people change their name. They don't call themselves Willie Gerald Maxwell. They say W.G. Maxwell because they know they messed their name up already. Can't use that name to preach. And drug that through the mud. <laughs> Gotta change that name. <laughs> I ain't Patrick Rigger. I'm P. Riddy. What's up? <laughs> ah, bump that. That messed that name up. Your greatest roadblock for living out the goal is your past. But the only person that can make a roadblock is you. 
So what they said there? Be like, look, I ain't the same person I was yesterday. I'm not trying to keep messing with you. You're trying to tell me nobody can evolve. I met God on the road to Damascus. That's what Saul said. I met God at the crack house. Somebody else may say, I met God in a drunken stupor. Somebody else may say, I met God when I was about to be shot and the gun didn't go off. And I said, Lord, if you get me out of this, I do whatever it is you want me to do. I found God in an accident when my car turned over five times and all of a sudden an angel pulled me out. I didn't know who God was, but I know there was a presence in my life. You better watch out. God will meet you wherever you are. Don't you let people hold you back because of your past, even if your past was last night. <laughs> I couldn't let that one go. I can't even blame that on the Holy Spirit either. I can't. That was totally me. Holy Spirit, come back. Feel <laughs> it. Feel it all prepared. Thank you, screen people. Y'all brought me back to Jesus. I saw the scripture. Thank you so much. <laughs> Feeling unprepared to be used by God. One of the biggest questions is when God calls us to go, it's often how long am I supposed to wait to prepare before I act and go? Acts 9, 19 through 20 says, Give us, it gives us great insight to how Saul prepared to respond to his calling. He ate to regain strength, spent time with the disciples, and then went out. Elijah did it too. Elijah said he sat, he rested, and he got up. Sometimes you just got to sit under somebody. You got to sit and just glean. The reference to Saul eating represents growing to a place of health before we're sent out. Sometimes God calls us, but we have, an unhealth, we have unhealthy relationships, addictions, or repetitive sins that keep us spiritually malnourished. To respond to God's call on our life and live out the goal, we must get healthy spiritually and emotionally. Remember that health doesn't, that health doesn't mean perfection, but rather growing obedience to the standard of God. Perfect means you continually to grow. That's what it means in the Greek. It don't mean you're perfect. We all fall short of the glory of God, and that's the problem. A lot of us don't walk in our call because we think we're supposed to be perfect. David wasn't perfect. Samson wasn't perfect. Jeremiah wasn't perfect. Noah wasn't perfect. Moses wasn't perfect. Nobody is perfect. Saul also spent time with people who've been following Jesus longer than him. In Damascus, he spent some time with Ananias. In Jerusalem, he, spent, he went to Peter to live out the goat in our lives and withstand the roadblocks. We need to be connected to people familiar with the path. Saul would spend the rest of his life connected to other believers. Saul, later Paul, prayed with them, ate with them, even debated with them on occasion. We need to be connected to spiritual, to, to spiritual community just as Saul was. Find a small group. Find a serving team. Surround yourself with people who push you towards Jesus, right? As Saul invested in his health and community, he prepared to go. Acts 9.19 tells us that after he regained his strength, he went at once 
When God calls you, the correct response is to make sure you're healthy, connect, to in, connect in the community, and go. You will always feel unprepared unless you're arrogant. You ever see somebody, I'm ready, I'm ready, I got it, I'll tell you about it, they bomb. The best thing you can be is nervous when you're doing something for God because you understand that it's not you. I ain't saying be terrified. See, one, one, one young lady, um, one of our security people brought a young lady to me, and she was like, how do you speak? I feel like I'm supposed to speak in front of people, but I'd be scared and shy. How you do it? I'm like, me too. That's why I joke. I joke when I get nervous. I joke if I lose my place. I joke when I lose my attention, because I be bored, just like y'all. Got ADHD. I'm ready to go now. I be sitting up and thinking the same thing you think. Will I shut up and sit down with this sermon ever end? <laughs> God, I ain't know you made it this long. Where this come from? <laughs> I thought it was shortening when I read it last night. So, so <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm thoughts that go through my mind. But the thing about it is, God will make your greatest weakness your greatest strength. Right? He'll lead you where you need to be. He'll equip you. He'll equip you. So, so stop worrying about it. You will never be prepared. And what I told her is, I still get nervous, but I tell her like this old school preacher told me, the butterfly's going to be there, but once you keep doing it, they fly in formation. I already know what happens. I already know I'm going to get nervous. I'm going to be like this. If this is wrong, I already know how it's going to happen, but it's still going to have the same feelings, but I'm prepared for it because I do it so much. You're never not going to be nervous because you know you have to depend on God. If he don't show up, it's over, baby. I don't care how much you read. If God does not show up when you step in the pulpit, if God does not show up when you step in your office, if God does not show up when you step in the game, God has to be with you and give you strength. He's the one that gives you the, 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 the power to obtain wealth. He's the one who began the good work in you and finished it. He's the author and finisher of your faith. It's him that does it. You're just a vessel. So you have to be nervous because you have to be like, God, are you going to show up? See, not understanding God's plan. I talked about this a little bit. But Saul struggled to understand why God would use Peter, an uneducated, unsuccessful fisherman, to fulfill his plan. The reality of knowing Jesus is this. The more mature you become in your faith, the less you think it's your job to know what the next step will be or why somebody being used by God. I don't know why I'm being used, so why am I trying to figure out why you're being used? How in the world God used that Negro right there? I ain't got time to worry about that. I'm wondering why he used me. Why, why would I worry about that? See, the problem is the reason, the reason why people attack you is because they have not found their purpose. Because when you have your purpose, you will let people know, I ain't got time for no dog fight, cat fight. I ain't got time for that. This lady, this lady called in, and what I figured out was this is the dude that be threatening me all the time. That's his wife. I'm just letting y'all know. I know you listen to me, you trolls. So, and, and he always threatened me, and the police had called me because internal affairs had called me before because he had been threatening me, and I had to tell Brother Drone what was going on and everything. They sent a video of him threatening me out loud with a police officer, and he ended up getting in a fight with a police officer, blah, blah, blah. And, and so what I love about my church is, I, I know this ain't a sermon right now, but I had to tell you, I said, I got some crazy people at my church, so I ain't worried about it. But since y'all calling me, y'all document this, because if he come to my church, he ain't leaving the right way. I got some, I got some, I got some hood kingdom folk. 
the kingdom of God serves violent in the valley. Take it by four. That's scripture, ain't it? <laughs> but, but, but I don't worry about that. And I don't worry about it because I don't care because I know God orders my steps every day, so I can't worry about him. I got too much to worry about with my call than to worry about the outside stuff. So I can't, I don't, I don't have to understand exactly why God said do this. I don't have to understand exactly why God said you need to buy this building right now. I don't want to understand exactly why God said you need to partner with them right now. And then the stuff begins to unfold later. Because at the end of the day, my thoughts are not his thoughts. His ways are not my ways. He is way more smarter than me. Even his dumbest thought is smarter than my most genius thought. And once you re- realize that God is the author and finisher of your faith, you'll begin to stop trying to understand everything. It's hard to follow people of faith when you always want to understand why you're going there. That's all I'm saying. Some folk didn't make it with us over here. How in the world a church ain't even got that many members? The other church got all them members. And how you gonna buy that building? Because God said so. Huh? Then God give you resources. All they do. Hey, Miss Spells, go ahead and crunch these numbers. I know you know how to do it. Let the Holy Spirit work with you. May the force be with you. <laughs> yeah, I just gave him my problem. <laughs> God said do it. I'm going to give it to you. I'm just saying, God will work it out if you just step. Do you know how many people was, was laughing at us because the clothing was taking so long they thought we weren't going to close? But the reason why I didn't want to close because some of the land wasn't free and clear. And I'm like, we ain't buying nothing that ain't free and clear. Why why own it? The land, they own the building. You know what I'm saying? But I'm saying God will cause you to do stuff that the community and the people don't think you can do. And if your church did it, you can do it. You're a part of the team, ain't you? If your church can go out and possess land that nobody thought they could qualify for, if could get buildings that nobody thought they could afford, at the end of the day, if you're a covenant believer and you're in covenant agreement with us and you're a member here, you're supposed to be able to do the same thing because iron sharpens iron. Don't you sit down in that pew and not do anything bigger than who you are. Don't you sit in that pew and not start that business God has on your heart. Don't you sit in that pew and not fill out the resume that somebody told you to go after this job that you don't qualify for because you have a relationship with somebody that'll get you in there. Favor ain't fair. Don't you let haters talk you out of what God has meant for you. You better get up, get on your mark, get set, and go. Everybody want to tell you what you can't do because they can't do it. You better start saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You better start saying, he began a good work in me, shall finish it. In fact, you better just stop, start ignoring folk. Stop taking in your ears and in your eyes what you don't want to hear. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you only speak what's in your heart. And your heart becomes contaminated by people you listen to who negative and things you look at that's negative. When people keep on saying something negative, delete, block. People try to tell me, so and so, I don't, don't want to hear it. You handle it. Shut it down and leave me alone. You handle it. I don't need to know what they said. 
I don't need to know. See, as you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things, Ecclesiastes 11.5. You don't understand some things that happen here on earth. Stop trying to understand God. And once you do that, whoo, you're going to live a blessed life. Because God will tell you to go over here and invest in this, and you will go do it, and all of a sudden you will be making money And because God told you to do it. I ain't talking about what you told you to do. I'm talking about when God tells you. Mm-mm-mm. Yet, <clears throat> there are many who will walk away from the goal on their life because they want to understand before they step out in faith. Many people won't go because they want to understand. But we always say, what? His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. So stop trying to understand what God is trying to do. Just go do it. All right? All right. God don't work that way. He wants you to do what he tells you to do when he tells you to do it. All right, let me go ahead. Knowing God's plan will bring you pain. Ooh-wee. Going doesn't spare us from hardship, even though when we go, when we go, great things are accomplished. Saul spent two weeks in Jerusalem before they had to sneak him away to the next city. Two weeks he was a Christian. They already trying to kill him. Because his response to God's go earned him death threats. Can I tell you something? When people come at you, it's not the people. You keep looking at it in the natural. It's the devil coming for you because he knows what God is using you for. And he knows your blessing is right there. Look, I know people say, well, I don't be all hype here like when I was at Colossians. Because I'm trying to get, I, I need you to get this. Look, the devil can only do what? Kill, steal, and destroy, which means he cannot do what? Create anything, right? The devil cannot create more demons. He cannot create more devils, which means he has limited resources, which means if you're not about to do anything, he doesn't have time to mess with you, right? So when people start coming at you, you need to understand your blessing is coming because the prerequisite is this, yes. I told you to start in your towel. And Jesus, they keep messing with me, oh God. And you better do this. Put it down and get out your good silverware, baby. Get out your great wine. Get out your good steaks. Get out your, your good china because God is about to bless you right now because he prepares a place for you in the presence of your enemy. And he's trying to let you know that because the enemy, the devil, activates your enemy right at the time when he's about to give you your breakthrough. That's why he's coming for you right now. He knows that business is about to be successful, but if he can scare you enough, if he can cause your friend to discourage you enough, then at the end of the day, you will stop doing it and you won't walk in the blessing that's right around the corner. You got to understand that your weapons are not carnal, but are spiritual for the casting down of stronghold and vain imagination and anything that exalted itself against the armies of the living God. What does that mean? That means you ain't battling no man. You're not battling white people. You're not battling black people. You're battling principalities from high places. Your next door neighbor not coming for you. It's the devil. You got to speak to that devil. 
You got to say, get ye behind me, Satan, even though Peter was Jesus' boy. When Peter began to talk down and try to tell him don't go to the cross because he was speaking something beneath the call that Jesus had on his life, he said, get ye behind me, Satan. Why? Because he knew it wasn't Peter. It was the devil coming up in Peter because the devil didn't want God to fulfill the purpose in Jesus that Jesus was there for. He understood that if he let Jesus walk down those 42 burning generations, he already let him enrobe himself in the flesh. He had already let him come up Emmanuel, but then he started realizing, if I let him walk down the way of Via Della Rosa, if I let him walk up the way of suffering, if I let them put nails in his hand, it will bring the fruition of soteriological dispensation that if there be no shedding of blood, there'll be no remission of sin. If I let him go to the cross, everybody will be saved. But if I can keep him from going, everybody will go to hell but Jesus. Because the weight of sin is death, and when you don't sin, you never should have died. And because Jesus never sinned, he shouldn't have died, and, but he went to the cross anyway to save you and me. He said, I'm going to go and show you to go. If Jesus can be obedient unto death, you can live for him. If he can become sin for you, you better live for him. If he can die and become what he hated, if he can become the nasty things that we do and the nasty things that we will do, if he can become sin and be separated from God for a moment just to save you. I'm trying. He was waiting in a, on a cell. He was, Paul was waiting in a cell when he wrote, for you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also a privilege of suffering for him. You need to call it counted joy when you're able to suffer for Jesus. The reality is that God has a goal for every one of us. He isn't a passive God. He's active. Jesus spoke about a heavenly father who loves the people of this world so much that he would go from the 99 and save the one lost sheep. He chose this crazy, overzealous Pharisee named Saul to be his leader of the early church. Why in the world would he do that? You got to own your own goal. You have to do what God has called you to do because he calls you. He'll call a cursor like you. He'll call a liar like you. Come on, somebody. If he called a whoremonger like David, he'll call you. Come on, somebody. If he'll call a crybaby like Jeremiah, he'll call you. If he called a cursor like Isaiah, he'll call you. If he called a murderer like Moses, he'll call you. If he called a backslider like Samson, he'll call you. If he called an alcoholic like Noah, he'll call you. If he called a swindler like Jacob, he'll call you. So stop looking at all the things you've done wrong in your life. Read your word and see how messed up everybody used. The only person perfect he ever used was Jesus. Even though Elijah called fire down from heaven to burn up a water-soaked stone altar, when Jezebel said she was going to kill him, he ran for his life. All of them had flaws just like you, but you sitting in the pew every Sunday hiding from the devil. I know, but I need you to come in here for church to get 
a pep talk and go out and beat the devil in his head the rest of the week. Right now, we're living in a time where people, Methodists talk to Baptists and Baptists talk to Episcopalian and Episcopalian talk to AME and AME talk to CME. We have a time where all people understand that we need to get together and work together. So this should be an easy time to do something great for God. As I close today, I want to speak directly to, to, to one group of people who need your own goal. Maybe the idea of God having a special calling for your life sounds ridiculous because you've never experienced a personal God. Understand this, the motivation behind the goal we talk about today is you. Look, 2,000 years ago, God came to earth because you were far off. He lived perfectly, died a sinner's death, and rose from the dead. He chose to go from his home in heaven to this broken world to redeem you. He then commanded his followers to go around the world to reach every single one of us with this message. Today you're here because God is going, because God, uh, because a going God has reached out to you. And if you respond today, you can live the life you were meant to, taking your go <laughs> from the God who created you and planned out your life. What is your goal today? Whatever your step to take is, don't let this day pass without responding to God's call for your life. Imagine what your family might look like a month from now if you respond to the go. Imagine what our church would look like a year if this room were full of people responding to the go. Imagine how differently the, nation, the national landscape could look today if across America, thousands of churches embrace God's go. Let's see what God can do through his church. Let's respond to God's word by embracing his call. Let's be a church of the goal. Don't just sit here. People always saying, your church do this, your church do that. Why y'all always everywhere? Because God is a going God. Huh? God is a going God. His name start with go. G-O, God. I know, it just came up. Whatever. <laughs> I'm just saying, Go. The thing about this, what Dr. King said, he said, more and more I feel that people of ill will have used time much more effectively than have people of good will. We will have to repent in this generation, not merely for the hateful words and actions of the bad people, but for the appalling silence of the good people. Oh, come on, somebody. Look here. You all have made it through a lot of things. Some of us in here have even come through Jim Crow and Plessy versus Ferguson. And, I mean, we back with Brown Board Education again, but you made it through those times. You made it through separate but equal. You made it through a lot of segregation. And now you made it through COVID. I mean, we're still in it, but you're still here. God has a call for you that you must answer because the only person that can fulfill it is you. I can't reach everybody. I tell people all the time, I'm not everybody's pastor here. I remember one time I couldn't talk to somebody and I needed somebody to help me. I said, hey, Deacon Spells, I need you to talk to so-and-so. He's like, why you don't tell him? I said, because you they pastor. <laughs> 
He's like, what you mean? I said, look, they ain't going to listen to me, but they'll listen to you. If you call her, she'll do what it is we need to do. And then we were doing something with the Catholic campaign, and then they got on board. Because you got to understand, your pastor can't reach everybody. Your job is to go reach people. Some people come into church because of what you said that you receive at church. Some people come because they see the change in your life. And it's not even any, I haven't said a word to them. They haven't heard anything. Some people come to church ready to join because they see how on fire you are at your job. They see how God has been moving in your life and you say it's a word. You have influence. You have a certain group of people that no one can reach but you. Jace can't reach him. <laughs> Osteen can't reach him. Riddick can't reach him. Maxwell can't reach him. Joyce Myers can't reach him. But you can reach him because there's a special call on you. That even though you're not, you may not be called to the pulpit, but you're called to reach somebody through your business when they see it thriving. How did you do this? God showed me this in a vision. I got a word one day on Sunday, and I bought this house. I began to heard a word. I read the scripture, and the scripture, I just heard it, and it said, go out and possess the land. I said, you know what? I'm about all the land around me. God gave me this vision. That's what it is God needs you to do. He don't need you to try to preach if that's not your call. He don't need you to try to speak in front of people if that's not your call. He needs you to live your best life. Your best life, your best holy life. He needs you to live your best life, the best life that you can live for him. And when you do that, you open up an algorithm of people to be saved. Because then when you activate it and somebody say it and somebody see you, they're like, oh, wow, look at what Miss Johnson's doing. I'm going to do this too. If she can do it, I can do it. Whoa, look at what Mr. Lawrence did. I'm going to do this too because I saw her do it. And if she can do it, I can do it too because she didn't want to do it at first. There's a special call on your life that only you can do and God needs you to go. He needs you to go do it. Just think about whatever God is calling you to do. Maybe he told you to say something to somebody at your job. Maybe he told you to say something to your brother or sister. Maybe he told you to start some business. Maybe he told you to, to help somebody set up some grant. Maybe he told you to help some homeless person. Maybe he told you to mentor some kid. I don't know. It doesn't have to be complicated. But the one thing that you do when you go and do it is going to make the world a better place because you only can change the world one person at a time. So don't worry about the thousands you reach. It's worry about the one person God has instructed you to reach. Amen. Amen.